Welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us for our service online. And of course, it is the first Sunday of Advent. And we are beginning our journey towards Christmas and celebrating the birth of our Saviour, who came to bring peace, to bring joy, to bring salvation to the world. Emmanuel, God with us. And that is the power of Christianity, is the fact that God is with us. And as we move through this Christmas uh, season, what I do know is this, is that Advent and Christmas in this current time is so important. Because when we're in a time of change, when we are in a time of pandemic, when, when we hear of so much bad news and difficult circumstances, we need to anchor ourselves in the right place. And of course, in the ancient world, with the Roman Empire ruling over Israel, with tyranny and darkness and pain, it was then in the most difficult time that a star appeared, that a son was born, that Jesus Christ came into the world, born there. We know the story so well to bring hope. And so we want to celebrate this hope on this first Advent Sunday and give, give the Lord all the praise. So I'm going to hand over to our worship team. And as we start to worship, just allow the Lord to speak to you Allow the Lord to minister to you. And I know that he will bring comfort and bring peace in these days. Let me rule. 
This is the power of Christ in me From life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny No power of hell, no scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his hand Till he returns or calls me home Here in the path What powerful words. What life-changing words. When we think of the power of Christ that enables us to stand, to stand and to hold on to him. As we consider the first weekend of Advent, hope. We want to think about the hope that was given to the world. The hope in our own lives that is gained. The hope that changes our hearts. In fact, Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And when you receive him as your Lord and Saviour, that hope comes into your life and truly transforms who you are. The people walk in darkness. And have seen a great light. And those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. No end. And so we thank you, Lord, for the gift of hope in our lives. And we thank you that we can know that a great light has come into the world and that your governance, your kingdom, will last forever. Lord, we give you thanks for that. We light this candle and remember that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world.
When hope came down, that is the reality that we know in our salvation, that hope came down. And at this moment, we're going to pause, as we always do, to remember our Lord in communion. To take a moment to break the bread and to give thanks to God for all that Christ achieved. I always think of salvation like this. It's God's kingdom is like a mighty castle. It's glorious, it's beautiful, but you can't get into it only through one way, and that is through an entrance point called the cross. And all that Christ did upon the cross enabled us to walk over, if you like that drawbridge, into the palace of the kingdom of God, to receive salvation, to enjoy the banquet feast, to celebrate the Lamb, But that way into God's kingdom only came because of Christ's death. And we remember his body that was broken for us. We remember 
how he gave his life for us. And so, Lord, we thank you uh, for this bread. And we thank you that it represents your body. And we remember the price that you paid and all that you did for us to purchase our way of salvation. So bless it, Lord, we pray. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of him. In the same manner, he took the cup and poured out the wine and said, this is the blood of the new covenant that takes away the sins of the world. Maybe you feel shame. Maybe you feel guilt. Maybe you feel as if there's no forgiveness and you'd like to find a way to feel that weight that is on your shoulders lifted up. Well, I remember that moment when I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my life and become Lord, to forgive me of my sins, I walked out of that moment into the world different, forgiven, cleansed, renewed, changed. Lord, we thank you for your blood. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Well, what a way to begin our Advent season. What a way to celebrate. And thank you to the, uh, to the band and for them leading us so well. We're so blessed and we're excited about what God is doing at this time as we prepare as a church to reach out, to make a difference. And so um, we're going to hand over now to the Willow One News and then over to your campuses where you can connect and hear the word of God being preached on this first Advent Sunday. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us for Church Online. Here is your family news. Tomorrow night at 7 p.m., we hope that you will join us for Willow One Prayer Online. As a church, it's so important that we seek the Lord during this time and pray about our Christmas outreach, including the gift of Christmas and Living Nativity on the Move. For more information on how to connect and pray along with us, visit willowparkchurch.com slash willowoneprayer. Even though we're not able to meet for in-person church this weekend, we're hopeful that we can meet together for Christmas Eve. This year, South and Highway 33 will be gathering together on Christmas Eve with seven service times to choose from, and you can attend in person or online. New this year is that we will be offering three special family-friendly services in the gym at Highway 33 at 1 o'clock, 2.30, and 4.30 p.m., which we are calling Messy Church. You can register for one of these kid-friendly services by selecting one of the Messy Church options on the registration form. In Lake Country, we will be having two Christmas Eve services at 2.30 and 4 p.m. in the Community Gym at George Elliott Secondary School. 
You can register today for any of our Christmas Eve services at willowparkchurch.com slash Christmas Eve. Did you know that we offer a free monthly subscription box for all of our Willow Park kids to enjoy? Inside, you will find crafts, activities, family challenges, and more that make Kids Church Online just a little more fun and interactive. What's even better is we deliver the box right to your door once a month. Registration is now open for our winter box subscription, and you can sign up today on our website. Please note that even if you signed up for our previous fall boxes, you will need to re-register for the winter boxes. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com kidsbox. This Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we are having a special online youth event for all of our youth, grades 6 to 12. It's Oscars night, and you don't want to miss out on all the awesome videos our youth have put together, and of course, the announcement of this year's winner. Learn more at cahoots.ca slash live. It's definitely looking a lot like Christmas here at Willow Park Church. Plans are well underway to bring the sights and sounds of living nativity to neighborhoods around Kelowna and Lake Country. We are still needing a few more volunteers to help make this event happen. We need carolers, mannequins, a setup crew, and a construction crew. You can sign up today at willowparkchurch.com volunteer. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the excitement in the community about this appeal. And it's been wonderful to see the way that people have called in at the church. Uh, the staff have been amazed to see the buy-in from our congregation. It's been wonderful. Not to mention how grateful the agencies are that we are willing to partner with them. Like uh, the Gospel Mission, our Metro Community, the Food Bank, uh, the Shelters and the Pregnancy Care Centre. What a difference we are making. Okay, it's the 29th. So we've got all our stockings in. Here they are. Now the 29th, the first day of Advent, is you have the opportunity to come, pick a stocking up and then fill it and make a difference. And if you're in Rutland, you can come here into the gym on the Sunday mornings and you can grab your stocking and then go and fill it. And for other locations, this is how it's going to work. And the south location, we're going to have the roundabout ready. And Nicole Messenberg is going to be waiting there between 9 and noon every Sunday for the next three Sundays to give you a stocking and to take back the stocking. And then Jeremy's going to be opening up his garage with stockings if you're in Lake Country. And you can meet with him and grab a stocking there or bring back a stocking. So we're going to have three different ways for, for all the campuses to participate. So when you arrive to come and get your stocking, there'll be a couple of things there. First of all, on the stocking will be the name of the organization that you are choosing to support. Secondly, inside that stocking, gets even better, there will be the list of items that you will go and purchase. And also there's a card that you will receive uh, where it says that you donated to this or on behalf of somebody you love or somebody in your family, you donated uh, this stocking for this appeal. This is your opportunity, shoppers, to use your gift. Now, you didn't know that shopping could be a spiritual gift. Well, you're going to have the gift of generosity. So what you can do is take your stockings, 
go and shop and enjoy that and then bring them back to us. We need them all back by December the 13th. So you have between the 29th and the 13th to shop to your drop and to make a difference. You know, we are so blessed as a church to be able to engage in this. And I look forward to the way that God is going to use these acts of generosity for his kingdom to share the love of Jesus to the world. Let me say in advance, thank you. Thank you so much for your support with this appeal. Good morning, Willow Park Church, Hannenberg. I'm very happy to be here on this first week of Advent. Um, I'm going to read a bit of a scripture from Luke 4, verse 16, and then Glenn's going to take it away. So if you want to read with me, Luke 4, verse 16. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath when he went to the synagogue, as his custom, he stood and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up a scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself and you will tell me. Do you hear Do hear in your hometown that we have heard you done in Capernaum? Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there will be many widows in Israel and in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the entire land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Sarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet only one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were fierce when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thanks for your day. Thanks that we can still do church, even if it's online, God. Um, bless his service. Let us all learn something about you. Uh, thank you so much for sending your, your son for us on Christmas. Thanks that we get to, to celebrate it now. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. Thank you, Jared. Uh, he's got an extra spring in his step this morning because he got his first car yesterday. So uh, it's a momentous event in the life of a 16-year-old. So, uh, Jared, congratulations. Thank you for reading for us. And hello, everybody. My name is Glenn, and I'm excited to be sharing the word with you in just a second. And we're going to look at this scripture that Jared has just uh, spoken for us. Uh, before we get there, though, right now, you can come down to uh, either of our locations, and I believe Pastor Jeremy in Lake Country as well at his home. Uh, you can go to Rutland in 33. You can find the details and the address online if you're not sure it is, or here in the Mission, our south location, to pick up uh, a stocking for the gift of Christmas event that we are running right now. So, 
People have been busy uh, sewing these over the last few weeks. We've got 300 of these. And uh, Nicole, as I speak, is in the foyer uh, giving these out to people as they drive by to come and collect them. So please come. There's instructions inside as to what you can put in them. And, and then we are handing them off on behalf of you to some amazing causes in the city. So this is a brilliant way for you to get involved in the gift of Christmas. So you can come down um, and anytime between now and 12 o'clock this morning that you can, well, 12 o'clock lunchtime. uh, I don't think Nicole's going to be there for the next uh, 12 or so hours, but you can come and get those right now. So today is the first day of Advent. And you can't see it, but that candle is actually lit, and, and look at how brave I am, because even though that they are, don't do this at home, um, that uh, Advent is a, a really special time uh, in, our, in our Christian calendar, and so I just want to share a little bit uh, for a while about why it's so special, and it really has to do with the meaning around the word Advent, which literally means arrival. It means arrival. And so Jesus was the arrival. Jesus came to earth and he arrived and we celebrate that at Christmas and people get awfully uptight. Well, did he actually come on December 25th? That is the day that we remember and celebrate that Jesus arrived. And it's so important that we get our story right. If you have the wrong story, we make the wrong actions, the wrong decisions on the basis of that. Uh, This week I found, uh, I listened and heard a story uh, that had happened. I'm really hoping that Lyndon and Laura Thomas are watching. Uh, Lyndon was just playing bass just a few minutes ago, so hopefully he's had time to get home and watch it with his lovely wife, Laura. Um, Because this story is actually based in a town in uh, in South Wales. And this little town is called Abahosan, and this is what it looks like, how cute is that. Um, And something really uh, amazing has been happening in this town for the last 18 months, up until September. For 18 months, up until 7 a.m., their internet worked fine. And at 7 a.m., every morning, the internet to the whole town and some surrounding towns just stopped. It just stopped working. And they couldn't figure out why? They couldn't figure out what it was that was making the internet just power down. And so the, the internet prov- uh, provider came into town. They, they relayed cables. They did all sorts of different things in order to try and fix this problem. Uh, but they, nothing they did could actually fix the issue at all. And so uh, eventually they brought in this crack team. This is where this story gets really, really funny because they said that they were looking for a particular frequency or interference in the town. And so they brought this crack team in to walk up the center of the town at 6 a.m. in the morning. And when I read this, I just visualized this. This, this. this is what I was This is what I was thinking about. Like this team of nerdy internet guys walking up down the center of the town with their backpacks on. I don't know. Uh, And they were, they were trying to find the root of this problem until eventually they got to one little cottage in the center of the town. They knocked on the door and this lovely older gentleman answered the door, and it turned out that at 7 a.m. every morning, this old guy switched on his old TV. 
He switched on his old TV and that sent out a frequency. I grew up with TVs like this. I find this a little concerning that whatever power is inside these things emanated out of it to now where it actually had enough frequency or interference to shut down the internet. And the gentleman was absolutely horrified, him and his wife, and they, and they promised not to turn the TV on again, which I thought was a good end to the story. Especially these old TVs, I don't know if you remember them, I do, where you switch them off and then they'd power down until eventually there was a little white dot in the center of the screen. And then you'd turn them back on and, and again it would just take a while for this thing to poof, come on. He promised not to switch it on. But he didn't give it in. He didn't say, actually, you should take this TV. And I, and I kind of like to think that maybe he was keeping this TV just in case anybody really kind of ticked him off. Maybe he was like, you know, I'm always going to be the front queue of the fish and chip shop because, don't forget, I can switch this TV on anytime I want to. You see, these guys, the, the Ghostbusters, the, the people who were looking for the interference, they came with, a, with an idea in their mind as to what this story was. They were relaying cables. They were doing all sorts of different things, but had the completely wrong perspective. The reality was far removed from anything they could imagine. And Christmas is like that. You see, what our story often is about Christmas is so far removed from the reality of what Christmas is all about. And we can actually get the complete wrong signal. We can, we can be thinking, okay, I know exactly what Christmas is about. And in fact, I would go as far as saying this, that how you see Christmas really puts you on a trajectory of how you see Christianity. Now, you might be watching this and you might be really skeptical about all things to do with Christianity. You might be watching this and you may go, well, I was brought up as a Christian, but now I don't really follow the Christian practices or the faith. I still believe in God. I still believe in Jesus, but it doesn't really impact my life because, you know, I don't see the point. You might be listening to this with some disdain. You might be listening to this with a significant amount of devotion in your mind and your heart when it comes to Christianity. But it's so important that we get the background and the understanding of the Christmas story right. Because how we see that story, how we determine the truth of that story, will actually determine how we live our Christian life and how much we enjoy Christianity. And the best place to go when it comes to what Christmas is all about is the words of Jesus. And, and Jared uh, read us these words earlier on, specifically verse 18 of the scripture that Jared read. And it's this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is Jesus speaking. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he dropped the scroll and walked off the stage. Wow, what a moment. What an amazing moment for Jesus to stand up and say, look, you want to know what, and he didn't use the word Christmas, you want to know why I came? 
He said, let me tell you, I came to bring good news to the poor. I came to bring freedom to the prisoners. I came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. I came to set the oppressed free. I came to proclaim the favor of the Lord. If you want to know what the story, the true signal, the root of Christmas is, what the arrival, the advent of Jesus is all about, it's about those things. It's about good News, And that's a phrase that we use a lot as Christians, the good news of the gospel. But for the good news to be really good news, there has to be some bad news for it to transcend. Otherwise, good news is just news. (laughs) You need to be in a situation where actually we really need some good news right now. We really need some good news because what we're experiencing, whatever that might be, is bad. And the worse the situation is, the greater the good news is. And that list that Jesus just read, uh, that he read out about the bringing sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to set the oppressed free, to proclaim favor. The reason this was so significant was because of the situation that Israel found itself in in that moment. For good news to be really good news, there has to be a change of story. There has to be a change of story. So at Christmas, we remember, Sarah and I, um, a, a certain event that happened when our children were small, and Luke specifically was just a toddler. He was like 18 months old. And I've shared this story before, but we, were, we, were, uh, we went to Chester, which is our, was our local city center to do our shopping. And in Britain, it's, there are malls and there are kind of shopping centers But predominantly, the people just kind of flood into the center of these cities. And for those of you who've had the privilege of uh, of visiting Britain, you'll understand that all the kind of mall shops are outside in generally in a pedestrianized area. We decided to go to Chester, and Zoe would have been about, I guess, four, three and a half, four, and Luke would have just been like two years old. And, And so... We decided we'd go to Chester, but because of all the crowds near Christmas, Chester gets mental. And so we decided not to take our stroller or buggy, as it's called in Britain. We thought, you know, we'll just hold on to the kids. Because maneuvering around, those of you who got little ones will know, it is hard work. And we knew literally the crowds were thronging around us. It was, it's pretty crazy. You're constantly dodging. So I was like, right, we'll just keep hold of the kids. And so we went to this one particular shop that's been in the news quite a lot recently, actually. Woolworths, Woolworths or Woolies as we called it in Britain, was the place you would go to get toys. I mean, they had a whole level in Woolies in Chester that was just amazing toy section that I I really enjoyed visiting with the kids, obviously. And so we were in Woolworths, and Sarah had, I just need you to just remember who had hold of Luke. Sarah had hold of Luke, and I had hold of Zoe, and we were watching. We were, we were watching, and we were looking around for, for, for shopping and getting things. And then, actually, you know what? I think it was me that had Luke. Was it me that had Luke? It was. Sarah's waving her arms at me as I speak. I had Luke. Sorry. You need to remember that. Um, I had Luke, and I had hold of him. I remember now as I'm telling the story, we were looking, and I had hold of Luke, and I had hold of Luke, and I had hold of Luke, and I'm looking down, and he's gone. I still, to this day, do not know how he managed to pull his hand. I must have got distracted by Star Wars toys or something. He pulled his little hand out of my hand, and he'd gone. 
Like, literally, people are around us in this crowd, and this little guy, and he had, he had bright red hair at that point, curly red hair, he'd, he'd gone, just disappeared. Your stomach just turns over. Because it's one thing to lose a kid in a big shop that's reasonably busy. It's a whole other thing to lose a little kid in, do you remember when we used to have crowds? Crowds of people. And I look at Sarah, and I do remember now, I don't know why I thought it was you, love. Just naturally want to blame you, I guess. Um, It was just face dropped, and Sarah immediately starts crying. And then I'm I'm like, i got to find my kid. i got to find my son. Because the story that I'm living in right now is horrible. The thought that this little guy could be taken or get lost or hurt. The main thing I'm thinking is, he was really cute, and you still are, Luke. But he could be taken. So I start looking, and I cannot find him anywhere. No matter, and I, the first, I said to Sarah, "You stay here. If by some chance he manages to make his way back, he's like two. The likelihood of that happening is really, really slim." And then I go and I look for somebody who works in Woolies, and generally they bring in staff at Christmas that don't fill you with a lot of confidence. You know, they've got their here to help badge on, but really. And, you know, I, I tried to explain what had happened, what he looked like, thankfully. He had, like, really bright red hair, and, and so this is what he was dressed like. And then they, we heard it come on, the PA, and, and I'm just looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. It was a horrible, horrible time. Awful. Waiting. And they said, stay there and wait. We will bring him to you. So we stood and we waited, looking for the good news. After what seemed like an eternity... I saw one of the Woolies uh, workers walk in, and I remember bending down, looking through legs and arms to see if I could see. It was that busy, and I just saw a glimpse of a little redhead. And my heart was just like, yes. And I pushed my way through, grabbed him. Of course, he's completely oblivious. He's got no clue what's going on. But me, I take him back to Sarah, and Sarah's loving and kind and wonderful and completely understanding of how it happened, I'm sure. Again, I don't remember. I seem to have blocked that out of my memory, Sarah. But, um, but just that, that good news. Good news is, is amplified when you have a situation where you are desperately in need of good news. You need your story changing. You need, you're waiting for something and you're waiting and you're waiting and waiting and then when it comes, you're so thankful. And actually, as you taught, there are only a few people who've been in situations where they are so desperate. That good news, maybe is that you found out that you are free of cancer or maybe something has happened and actually what sounds like terrible, horrible news, you find out no, it's fine. It's good news. Whatever it might be for us, I remember that. I, that good news I experienced was amplified because of the bad news. And so when Jesus is stood in the temple and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, this is good news. He's saying, look, this is a change of story for you. This crowd he was addressing desperately needed good news. And we forget that. We have this beautiful, and it's a wonderful uh, picture of what Christmas was like then. We think maybe in the back of our minds it's just this idyllic time, and we put our decorations up. And by the way, the South Art Project and uh, have done an amazing job of decorating the, the stage. Thank you so much 
for that. It, it looks amazing. But we have this kind of idyllic view of what the first Christmas was like. But this crowd, this crowd when Jesus is a grown-up man, desperately needed good news. And maybe you do this morning. Maybe you're waiting for some good news. Maybe it's an actual circumstance that you want to have good news injected into. Or maybe there's just something going on in, in, in you emotionally or, or spiritually. You just feel lost. You need hope. You need good news. And so for us to get a proper perspective of the story of Christmas and the good news that Jesus is bringing, we need to understand a little bit of Israel's story. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you Israel's story really quickly. Because what it's going to do is amplify the moment in which Jesus steps in and arrives. It amplifies the good news. It amplifies the desperation that Jesus had. Sorry, that these people had that Jesus was speaking to. They were absolutely desperate. And it starts in Genesis. It starts in Genesis, right at the beginning. Genesis, and then there's the fall. Sin floods into the world. You might struggle with the idea of Genesis. Okay, even putting that aside for a second, and I believe it completely, but we can all agree the world is filled with sin. And as the world is filling with sin, right at the beginning, God comes to Abraham and gives him a promise. And he says, Abraham, from you, you are going to have a blessed family. That this family of yours is going to be innumerable. It's going to be so many and they are going to be blessed. And immediately after this promise that God gave to Abraham, something happens to Israel. They started to wonder. They started being homeless for approximately 215 years. Now, when you're looking at thousands of years, hundreds of years doesn't seem too problematic. But actually, 215 years is the length of time that Israel, or God's people at that time, the family of Abraham, were actually wandering around homeless. The other people were in the land that God promised that would be them. And then after Abraham came Isaac. After Isaac, Jacob, later on called Israel, who literally wrestled with God, which was a picture of what Israel were actually going to experience for years to come. Then we move into uh, the time where Joseph, the story of Joseph and the multicolored coat that he was given by his dad. And Joseph eventually becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And God's people start living in Egypt and start increasing. They were there for around about 430 years. Except something changed in the story of Israel at that point. You see, the Egyptians started to worry about Israel and enslave them. Exiled, if you like. For 430 years, they were in slavery. Then comes Moses and what we would call the Exodus. And then they wandered homeless then for another 40 years uh, at the direction of God. He eventually entered the promised land that was promised right at the beginning. And they thought, here we are. This is the fulfillment of the story that God gave Abraham. And then they spent the next 30 years at war claiming this land. And they desperately, desperately wanted peace, but it evaded them. Then we come into the stages of the judges. And they bounced between leader and leader. For 320 years, they went from uh, good in the land to evil in the land. Good in the land, evil in the land. 
land. There was war. There was desperation. There was unsettling for 320 years until eventually they wanted a king. King Saul. Approximately 40 years of tension under the rulership of Saul. Again, they weren't settled. They didn't feel at home. They felt the tension. This was not a good story for them to live in. And then what would be termed the pinnacle of their history still to this day was the time of David and Solomon. And for for approximately three generations, prosperity and peace entered the land. Prosperity and peace. That thing that they felt, this is it. This is what Abraham was given a promise about. This was the pinnacle, and this was the time where they will still look back on as the time of David. But it didn't last. After three generations, civil war started to come into their land. North and south split between Israel and Judah, as they were called then. And decline and oppression and poverty for 200 years was their experience. And then they entered into a new stage where the Assyrian Empire took over Israel. And Israel were placed in exile for 135 years. Just so you understand what exile means. Exile literally means that these people were either killed, they were under a rulership that brought great oppression, or they were sold off as slaves For 135 years, this was Israel's experience. So, so far, if we were just to pause and think, they've had two to three generations of peace and prosperity so far. After the Assyrians came the Babylonians, who also kept them under exile. And Judah was under exile at the same time. So now, all of God's people under exile for approximately another 50 years. After the Babylonian Empire came the Persian Empire. And Israel starts slowly because the Persians are a little more gentle towards the people of God that they're able to start building again. And they start focusing on on having peace and prosperity. But it wasn't to last because after the Persian Empire came the Greek Empire. And again, they were put into terrible exile for 200 years. The Greek Empire collapsed And they started to rebuild. They started feeling at home again. They started feeling that this place was theirs again for 65 years approximately. Only 65 years before the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire came into the land and did what we all know in our history books. The Romans did really well, which was take over masses of land. And again, they were sold off. They were killed. They were under oppression So let's just summarize, because this brings us up to the time of Jesus. Let's just summarize. Out of a total of 2,100 years of history since the beginning of Abraham, they've been homeless for 250 years, oppressed in civil war or difficulties for approximately 700 years, in exile for 1,150 years. They experienced peace and prosperity for approximately 80 years. And so when Jesus steps in and he arrives and he declares 
that I have come to bring good news. He was, the advent of Jesus was a, an amazing moment because the story of Israel, the story of the people of God was a story of hope deferred. Constantly hoping for that which they had the promise for from Abraham. Constantly hoping that things would be better. Wanting their own land. Wanting their own peace and prosperity. But it constantly eluding them. If not worse, they were thinking, God, what is it you are doing here? Because you gave us a promise. And this isn't it. And it's easy for us to disconnect ourselves from the story of Christmas, the true advent, with what was actually going on in society and in the minds and the hearts of the people then. They'd had hope deferred, and the scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Oppressed, poor, and lost. Talking about being at a low point, this is when Jesus steps in. The context of Christian Christmas is that Jesus steps in. The advent of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus comes at a low point. So let's just pause there for a second. I've told you a long story in a very short period of time about what they were experiencing and why the good news of Jesus really was good news. But what's that got to do with you and me? The reality is this. There are times in our lives when we get to a low point. Nobody else may even notice. You may still be driving the good car and living in the nice neighborhood and your kids might be perfect like all kids are. Your job might be going well. Your business might be going well. Your relationships might be going well. But inside, you feel lost. You're at a low point. And you've turned to different things and different options and different answers in the hope that the low point that you're feeling can be somehow dismissed and corrected. And maybe for a little time, the thing that we latch onto, the the new book or the new podcast or the new way of thinking or the new goal system or the new app or whatever it might be, brings us some relief for a short period of time and we think maybe this is it. Only to find out that actually what's brought us relief is the discovery of the thing, not the thing itself. The journey to find it brings us hope, not the thing itself. And then in steps Jesus. And the story that we have in our mind as to what Christmas actually is all about, which is this beautiful stuff, which I love, about, you know, goodwill to all mankind, peace, joy, all the, you know, we we remind ourselves of generosity and love and kindness. And all those things are good things, but they're rooted in the goodness of God, best explained and shown by the good news that Jesus proclaims. The good news. I have come. The context of Christmas is low point. And maybe that's how you're feeling this morning. A low point. And then in steps Jesus. In steps Jesus. What's really interesting as we look at this scripture is that Jesus is declaring what the people who were listening knew to be the role of the Messiah. You see, the reason in the next part of the scripture they were so happy, um, at the end here, they say they were, today this scripture is fulfilled in the hearing, they marveled, the scripture says. 
They thought this is good because what Jesus is doing is he's talking about the Messiah. And so, yes, the Messiah is going to bring us freedom. The Messiah is going to bring, uh, set us free. The Messiah, these things are going to happen. We believe this. And then Jesus, we see, we know the story is that Jesus is saying is fulfilled because he is the fulfillment. What's amazing about this is that they were looking for something that wasn't Jesus. They were looking for something that wasn't Jesus. They were looking for an answer that sounded like Jesus, but wasn't Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I am the answer. This scripture is fulfilled in your presence. Look, it says that. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they would have gone, oh, that's so nice because Jesus is just reading some scripture. So, so Jesus presses it a little bit. Because it goes from everything being happy to this next part. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And then he goes on to start describing a period of time in the history of Israel that they know to be a very evil time. And so what Jesus is actually doing here is he's saying, look, you are like the most evil time in Israel. And he's also saying, look, the miracles that you're desperately looking for are only are going to happen in the Gentile era, in the Gentile regions. So then they said in verse 29, they got up. Sorry, in verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So what's happening here is Jesus is saying, look, Israel, good times are coming. And they would have gone, yes, because they've lived with that thought for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yes, good times are coming. There's going to be a Messiah. And they would have said, yes, we agree. And this Messiah is going to release us from our oppression. He's going to come in and he's going to kick over the Romans and they're going to be this warrior king. And Jesus is saying, look, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence today. And they're like, yes, you know what? Maybe the today is actually going to be the start of our hope and our freedom. And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. I am the answer. And then he presses them. And he says, look, there is evil in this town. And this good news is not just for you. It's for the Gentiles. And they blow up. Because you could not imagine a worse thing for a group of Israelites to hear that this good news is not just for them. It's going to be for other people. And then Jesus saying, you are the evil ones. This period of time is evil, just like what's going on now. And you're the problem, is what he's saying. And they go absolutely crazy. So what has this got to do with us as we consider the story of Christmas? We have the lovely idea of hope and joy and peace. We know that these things should be part of our lives. We know, especially now in the middle of COVID, that there are better things to come. We feel the oppression of what's happening in our society and our culture. We feel the oppression, maybe what's happening around us in our closer circles. We feel the oppression of what actually may be happening around our own hearts and minds. But underneath it all is this sense that things could be better. And Jesus enters into the story of Christmas, advents in, if you like. He arrives and he says, you know what the answer is? Me. I'm the answer. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And we go, no, 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 no. We have better ideas. We look past Jesus for something else. 
they get so mad because Jesus is declaring that the good news of freedom is for everyone. The good news of freedom, the good news of Christmas, the good news of the Advent is for you as well as it is for Israel. But often we look for other news. They were looking for a different king. They wanted a king that would come in and do what they thought needed to have happen, which was overturn the Rome and start wars. They thought that's what would happen, and we do the same. Friends, we look for other kings. We look for other queens. We look for other things to bring us freedom from the oppression we're feeling. All the time where Jesus stood in front saying, I am the answer. And so we wait. And just like me waiting for my little boy Luke to reappear, we keep looking in different directions. Is this it? Is this the answer? Is this the way? Maybe this time. Maybe, maybe, maybe. All the time, maybe we're missing the reality at Christmas, at Advent, is that Jesus presents himself and says, look, you are the issue. He said, there are things going on in your life that need forgiveness and they need healing and they need care. And so let's focus on you for a while. Let's not focus on all the different things that you could be doing. In fact, there's nothing you can do to change all that. But Jesus says, I can do it. And so this journey of Jesus going to the cross is all about him willingly sacrificing himself to take the punishment, the sin, all that oppresses us onto himself, it dying with him, and then him rising up as we celebrate Easter in newness of life. And he gives us that. The answer that we're looking for at Christmas is found in Jesus. And good news is only good news when we come to the reality and the understanding that there are bad news things going on in our lives. So maybe this Christmas, it's that moment when we actually do some introspection. We say, maybe the issue is me. Maybe the struggles that I have, I'm actually not going to find an answer for. I've tried so many different things. I want to invite you to consider Jesus, to look at Jesus To see him as the answer. And if you've been a Christian many, many years, I want to encourage you with everything that's going on right now. And you might have all sorts of different views and values and we should be's and we should not's and all that. If we put that aside and we say, okay, what is Jesus saying right at this moment? What is Jesus saying to me at this moment? What do I need to do in order to feel the closeness of Jesus in my life at this Christmas time? Maybe we start by just... Allowing, as we've been talking about the next last few weeks, just get in that time with him and you and enjoy that moment and focus on the fact that he is the arrived Messiah and he is the answer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, and it truly is a celebration, we love this time of year. We love the presents and the decorations and and everything that makes Christmas and all our traditions, Lord. We're so thankful for them. But Lord, I'm thanking you now that it is rooted in the good news that you bring freedom. And Lord, I pray that you would guard us from seeking freedom in other places. That Lord, as we try and deal with whatever the bad news might be, that Father... 
I pray that you would just draw our attention to your son. And we'd find those moments. We'd find that time to be grateful, Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. And so, Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus this week that, Lord, that our week would somehow reflect the arrival of you, that, Lord, the advent of you, the advent of the good news. And, Lord, let us as families and as, as husbands and wives and, and as individuals, Lord, just put that time aside. Lord, draw us into your presence that we may thank you once again for the good news of the gospel given to us as a gift. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. God bless you online. We pray you have a wonderful week. Please don't forget to come and get your stocking, uh, or two or three. I've already met a couple of people this morning who have come in to get them from the south. Thank you for taking part in this. We really do want this to be a tremendous success, and, and it's a great way for you to get involved. Uh, so come and pick up the stocking in the next couple of hours. And, um, and then next week, you can bring them back. I think we might be doing another collection next week as well, but you can bring them back filled, and uh, we will give them away. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online, and uh, I will see you next week.